I had this when I was uh, when I was single. Furthering <laughs> their careers while providing the ability to pursue other endeavors. Uh, like medical procedures for court cases. So again, it's not like preschool. Just don't go putting a diaper on my face or whatever, and we'll be fine. Keep it in the bedroom, just like racism. Where's the real stuff in life? But we can't. Dr. Savage is a genius. Yard Dash, you're in a marathon, so you can finish strongly. Uh, work, and it's a lot more challenging to, to do uh, a really solid transformation piece because you really have to break it down into all of these segments. And, and if you're someone who's really into... That's the whole secret. Uh, the, the Seahawks... Yeah, it's like three-year-olds, uh, you know, two, three-year-olds, recognize themselves in the mirror. You know, two-and-a-half quart pail. It's a small... locked in effective yield for maybe uh, 120 months, okay? Welcome to Fur What It's Worth, an introduction to an exploration of the furry fandom. And now, two fools who think you still listen to the intros for each show. Actually, no. If you're not listening, what does it matter what I say here? I could say something ridiculous in La French, and you'd never know. Dans genre, un pitou tout content est un pitou pas piteux pantoute. Ah, oh, pis de la merde. Voici les deux idiots magnifiques, Roux et Tugs. I, I think it sounds like P's and Z's. Is that all that's in French? <laughs> Thank you, Fire Breath. <laughs> well, welcome to For What It's Worth, Season 4, Episode 1. What did he say? I, I don't know. <laughs> There's subtitles somewhere. Oh, there were subtitles if you were looking at your bipod. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he said something about the magnificent Roux and Tugs. That's what I got. I mean, it sounds so much more majestic in French. So it is the season four premiere. What have you been up to? I have been up to a lot of crazy things. But do you know what this episode's about? No, tell me. It's local. Uh, locals ask about furries. That's what it's about. So <laughs> we found a sucker on the street. Yeah, we just pulled him <laughs> in. He's just like, ah, come over. We'll give you ten dollars and a drink. Coke. We were at Pioneer Park. <laughs> No, Pioneer Park's bad. You can get, like, I don't know, like, homeless people will attack you. You can get homeless people at Pioneer Park? Yes. (laughs) I normally need a prescription for those. (laughs) Well, um, I went to RMFC. Woo! RMFC is? Um, Rocky Mountain Furcon. How was it? It was amazing. I had a whole bunch of um, people come up and talk to me a little bit about the show, and... um, I want to give a huge shout out to them. So thank you. Where is it? 
Um, it's in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> it's in San Diego, where the Rocky Mountains are. Yeah, so Denver, it was it was a pretty long drive. We drove there. We didn't fly. I wish we could fly. Did you, did you go through Wyoming, or did you take 70? We went through Wyoming. The other pl- I know 70 is mo- much more beautiful, but... So much longer. Yeah, yeah, it is longer. Plus, you have to go through the Eisenhower Tunnel, and like, have you gone through the Eisenhower Tunnel before? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. all those cars that are broken down right outside the entrance? <laughs> Oh, my god! When I went, they had, like, a gravel parking lot just for, like, the dead cars. I always make a wish, you know, before going in to that tunnel to make sure that I can get through it. Yeah? Do you hold your breath the whole yep. time? Yep. Hold, hold my All, breath. What is it, three wish. miles? Something like that. Who, how do like you decide that? How do you decide? Know. Like, I'm just going to build this tunnel. I just have a million dollars. I'm sitting around. A million. Just a million. Anything else? So you had a good time? Yep. Did it you was... get inebriated? What? Did you get drunk? Uh, a little. It was okay. So... Tugs, I heard that you have a new job. So how's that been going? Uh, it's interesting. So uh, I won't say where I work for a lot of reasons. No, it's 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 a different culture. So I have a bit of culture shock, uh, but I like it. It's it's a challenge, and I feel like my brain. You ever like work on like brain teasers, and you feel like your brain is like lifting weights? Yep. It's like you feel it stretching. It's kind of like that. Uh, so it's fun, and I get my weekends off, and uh, I feel it's very important for my mental health. Yeah. No, I think that, that having your weekends off is amazing. It's fun. It's like also that. something that everyone should have at some point. Yes. I Let agree. the teenagers in retail work the weekend. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> everyone <laughs> is nodding. <laughs> so, you said, mentioned something about Anthrocon prep. What have you been doing? Well, uh, I'm over events. The schedule's closed, so I'm just finalizing the schedule. So, first of all, what is Anthrocon? <laughs> Register today. <laughs> The local con, which we had the ad for in the last episode of last season. Uh, it's in October on Halloween, so it'll be fun. Yeah, October 31st. Yeah. We're going to have a whole bunch of funny fu- funnies. Wow. A whole bunch of fuzzies down at um, the Radisson Hotel. So. Yeah, we're going to go harass our guest. Yep. What? For one night. Yeah. Oh, Rabbit Valley is going to be there. So Them too. Uh, no, but I meant we're going to go over to KSL and... Oh, yeah, we're going to go bug them. We're going to go knock on their window, be like, hi, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, so. it'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Don't remind me, because here's the thing. I'm I'm currently doing marketing and PR for Anthrocon itself, and all of my job is, like, right now that I have to do, and it's everybody else on staff is just like, yeah, I'm just waiting. <laughs> Hey, 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 it's Roo's turkey time. You said you had a cookie ready, and you're all walking around? I, I kind of had it ready. It's, it's you're a liar. Table. Don't call me a liar on the show. All right, here we go. Here's the fortune of the day. One has achieved success who has lived well, laughed, o- laughed often, and loved much in bed with a cookie. <laughs> You have very low standards of success, sir. What a good break that was. Did you enjoy that break? I did. I did. I, I had my a, Mountain Dew. I ate a couple of cookies, you know, <laughs> talked about, you know, what word I'm going to mess up when I read emails, you know, stuff like that. I love your geography. Ah, Califato. Califato. Yeah. All right, well, let's get to it then. So we have panelists. Yes, first we have Plain Jane. Hi, Plain Jane. Hello. So please introduce yourself. First, what is, 
first everyone is seriously looking at you or listening to you going, really? Is it really Plain Jane? Plain Jane is mostly my internet name. My actual name is Megan, but it's you, just as boring as Plain Jane. What do you go by, though? Plain Jane. PJ. PJ. <laughs> PJ. PJ. <laughs> How long have you been in the fandom? I've been in the fandom for several years. Um, more officially, I've been in the fandom for about a year and a half. Um, most recently, I became admin for the local group. Oh, really? Which group? Because there are many. <laughs> you can pimp them. It's okay. Uh, um, the Utah United Utah Furry Fandom, U2F2. Sounds like a really messed up like U2 cover band. Uh, we could probably do that. <laughs> <laughs> all in costume, all in fursuit. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Try to imagine Bono as a furry. That's not a hard thing to do. <laughs> So what is your um, fursona? Um, my fursona, most people know me as Kix. I'm, I call it an ultimate cat. I am black and lime green. I got tiger stripes and lynx fluff. I'm very puffy. Are you kid tested, mother approved? Oh my goodness. Keep the kids away. I bite. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been in the fandom? She told us. She I told know. us. Oh, well. Well, I'm asking again. <laughs> for those who missed the first time, I've been in the fandom for about a year and a half. That just made the cut. Good job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> We're starting off in fashion for this season. Uh-huh. All right. Passing the mic along, we have the rat, or Mr. Rat. <laughs> Tell us about yourself. Uh, my name is Jake. Uh, my son is Willie's, the great Baron Willie's Third. Really? What's the backstory there? Um, mostly uh, that Willie's has a great deal of pride. So, uh, of course, being a rat, very, very vain, and uh, and anything he can do to make himself sound better, of course, he's going to try. Do you enjoy movies like The Great Mouse Detective, where the rat is the bad guy? Usually, yes. Oh, okay. uh, uh, at least up until the end. Or, or Fantastic Mr. Fox. I haven't haven't seen that one, but yes, uh, Jane actually brings up a very good point. Secret of Man- Nim. Oh yeah. <laughs> Secret of Mana. <laughs> so how do you also good? What do you think about how rats are usually portrayed as the villains? I think, in a way, it's actually a little bit of a compliment. You you vilify things that you consider to be a threat, and so in a way, it's a it's a compliment because of the fact that people feel threatened by rats. Sorry, she was giving you bunny ears. That's why. And how long have you been involved in our little group? Um, roughly about a year to a year and a half. Oh, so uh, many noobs. I, I joined in shortly after Jane did. Yeah, the the furry group here is nothing like it was before. Like it's completely different. Like different people. Jeez, they're gonna like dig me up at some point. And be like, look at this old fossil. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and moving on, we have our guest. Do you want us to just call you Alex, or should we say Alex Curie? You could say Alex Curie. I'm fine with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Alex is a local personality, uh, and uh, he, for some reason, agreed to come in and participate in our insanity. Uh, there was Diet Coke offered, and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> we mean Diet Coke. It's the low. It's the uh, what is it? The diet drug. It is. It's uh, it's my preferred. Uh, it's my preferred caffeine vehicle. So well, there you go. And are you allowed to say where you work when you're not working there? I, uh, yeah, sure. But yeah, he's not I, representing them. Okay. <laughs> no, I work, uh, I work at the local uh, news and talk station here, KSL Radio here in Salt Lake City. Nice. So, so there you go. Yep, and they hosted the evening. It's been a lot of fun. They let us go watch them, like we mentioned a few episodes ago. 
So now it's yeah. it's it's uh, our turn to punish him. Yeah, look, it's like I said, it's an opportunity for me not to have to actually host anything. I just get to sit around and chat. <laughs> so there you go. Please and don't make coke. please don't make me host anything. That's what I'm <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should have him host the game. <laughs> just kidding. No, just kidding. no. It's even more work. I don't want to do any work today. <laughs> I'm just here to chat. You're like the game. <laughs> okay. It's right up your alley. All right. What we are going to be doing today. No so questions for me. That's it. All right. Fine. Okay. Well, no, fine, fine. Well, no, no, no. Actually, so what he's not telling you. We actually have some burning KSL questions. Yeah. So. He, they're, they're there, but he's okay. skipping them. No, no. It's is fine. The KSL, is KSL owned directly by um, the LDS Church? Uh, directly is not. Uh, I don't know why you had me would, uh, ask that question. You Sorry. didn't read the question, right? Well, it's a. It's a. It, I get the question a lot, and the answer is uh, basic. I mean, uh, I know who our ownership is. I mean, we, the the LDS Church is the is the uh, parent company to the company that owns us, and uh, the company that owns us. There's there are two companies that are that are part that I'm basically a part of Bonneville International. And uh, and DMC, uh, which is Deseret Management Corporation, and those are the two. That's what the, the KSL umbrella is under. That and then those companies are owned by the LDS Church. Yeah. You know what? I actually did misread the question. <laughs> what it was is KSL is owned indirectly by the LDS Church. There you go. But seems um, to be pretty open, isn't it? What seems to be open? Well, so. The, the 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 question. <laughs> Thanks for butchering that. I appreciate no, it. You're okay. welcome. <laughs> oh no, I give him grief all the time. That's okay. part of the shtick. Um, so when I came in, um, I was really surprised because I mean, furry is not necessarily something that you're that's going to come to mind as something um, in the area. It's just not. It's not like we live in like San Francisco or Seattle where it's more common. You'll see it when you go out. And so I was I was going there and I was like, okay, it's probably going to be. A lot of people not drinking coffee, being really Mormon, you know, uh-huh. that kind of thing. I get that a lot. People say, "Don't you have to be? Don't you have to be Mormon to work at KSL?" The answer is, "That's illegal to do." Well, I mean, uh, I've there are a lot. They I work with a lot of LDS people, and I work with probably more uh, people who are not LDS. I and mean, it, that, and that's yeah. surprising to people. They always, they ask me this: "You work at KSL? Oh, you got to be Mormon to work there, right?" And the answer is, I and and I didn't grow up around here, and I and I didn't know what the culture was around here in terms of the KSL culture and its relationship with the church. And people who don't work uh, at KSL love to be like, oh, you get a memo from across the street and you have to kind of, that's how things go. And the reality is, is um, it's a, it's, it's a for-profit arm of a, of a company that is owned by the LDS church. And so um, it's, it's got a different mission. It has a different mission and, and, and Mormon. And, and it's interesting too, People will just assume that everybody who's on the air is Mormon, and uh, and that's always funny to me. But people will approach me, but I'm LDS. So, but again, I didn't grow up around here, and so it's an int- Salt Lake is an interesting place. Yeah, it was it was just really refreshing to say, hey, it was it's uh, it's like that there's a, a coffee, normal that place. there's a coffee machine at the uh, at the uh, at the uh, KSL. Yeah, yeah. It really, yeah. I was really honestly surprised by that, and then I was like, <laughs> okay, this is actually pretty cool. Yeah, you know? no, it's a it is a business. I mean, it is. I mean, there's. It's it's again. Most of my bosses aren't LDS. I mean, they're the, that's just the way it is, and it's not because they they do it by design. They try to really get the best people they can. I mean, it's just if you went over the other news stations, you'd have a handful of LDS people and a handful of non. Uh, Salt Lake City is an interesting place because I've never lived. I'd never lived here. I went to BYU. I, eyes not completely open, you know, to what the culture was, 
And when I kind of figured it out, Salt Lake is a totally different beast than than it is than uh, than Utah County. And so when I got to, I'm sure I'm saying this, people don't even know the places necessarily we're talking about. But Salt We've Lake, Salt Lake is is interesting, and it's uh, it's there's no gray area. It's like you're either LDS and you go to church, or you not only are not LDS, but you usually don't like usually don't like the Mormons, <laughs> you know? And I live in I live in East Salt Lake and I live in a neighborhood that's predominantly not LDS. And so I get looks from people <laughs> for being LDS. It's kind of interesting, you know. I want to be like the friendly guy and sometimes it's not as uh it's not as easy. I say that it's difficult to be Mormon in Salt Lake because um you don't where the places I grew up I don't know, is it okay we're talking about yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. The places that I grew up, I grew up in, in the, I was, I did a lot of time in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and then up in Seattle. And um, that's where I did my high school years was in Seattle. And they were, and people ask you what, you know, they go, oh, they find out you're Mormon. And they're genuinely interested. They really want to know what kind of people that Mormons are. And uh, you get to tell them without them knowing or having preconceived notions what the uh, what the LDS church is and so it was nice it was refreshing sometimes I, that's the way I grew up I didn't know anything different so when you come here and people go you know oh we've heard the story we know what you're eye- all about yeah they either roll their eyes at you or they say we'll see you on Sunday so <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like your uniqueness about you I mean, I mean you you grew up out right yeah so it's kind of like it was kind of one of those unique things that were about you yeah. and now it's kind of like you were this. You were this pretty little flower that was out in this field, and then you joined all these other flow- right. flowers. And it's like sometimes oh, I miss lost. it. Sometimes I miss it. To be honest, I mean, I uh, I I miss that unique. I, I'm tempted sometimes to think I want to move out of state and take my kids to a place where uh, it's like a whole new beginning of just being around people who are Jewish, Catholic, Baptist, Mormon, everything. So that they're war- so that they don't get an idea of. I don't like them hearing the preconceived notions. Yeah. How did you get into, um, you know, broadcasting? I've always been a clown, and like uh, a lot of people that get into this business, we're highly insecure, and <laughs> and we have our and we have our deep uh, rooted issues in uh, in self loathing. Uh, but that's not everybody. That was mostly just me. I, I was a performer. I mean, and a lot of performers are like that. Stage people. I had a background in comedy and comedy writing, and uh, but also a, a huge love for sports. And so I was. Uh, I grew up thinking I'm going to be a sports broadcaster. And the way to do that was you go to you go to a broadcast school. You know, and BYU has a has a very very good uh, broadcast journalism program. I went and did it and. You know, the way to get involved is do your free internships, get the bagels and coffee for people, and get your foot in the door. And that was probably a dozen years ago. And then I just started doing some reporting. And and then I ended up not being as much involved in the sports uh, scene. I just do kind of a straightforward talk show in the evenings now. But I still have, you know, that sports connection there as well. But I did broadcast journalism. Most people who are in radio who are doing a talk show do not have that kind of a background. A lot of reporters do, but most people who do uh, like talk shows and things like that have, you do not, I mean, it's just, it's pretty rare actually to see a broadcast journalism uh, degree go into a talk show. You'll see them be reporters. I'm sure that that it's completely different. I mean, you have a reporter who usually tries to stay a little bit, I, I mean, don't they, tend to try to gain all the facts yeah. instead of like really taking a side. Well, and, and I'm not a, yeah, and I'm not a reporter. I mean, yeah. that's just, I, I did that at the beginning of my career and, 
and I don't. I mean, I took the journalism classes, and I don't. I, I'm too loud and obnoxious. And I mean, my thing. <laughs> and is, you like stating your opinion. Yeah, and I'm opinionated, and I entertain. I mean, that's my thing. I'm not a news guy, and people sometimes go, "Well, you guys should report on this," you know. And I'm always like, Look, man, "I'm not a reporter." I mean, I like to. I want to make sure you get some information, you know. And and our our station is big on traffic and weather, and we have to get those things. If there's a thunderstorm warning, I have to tell you about it. Yeah. But at the same time, our show is about making sure that people are entertained. That's just the, our time slot at night. You know, Other people, during the other times of the day, they're reading news copy. And that's what they do. <laughs> and, I, uh, and I respect them for that, but I couldn't do it. I, I don't think I can do that. I, I like being the opinionated one, as you can already tell. I'm See, already talking way too much. I'm just imagining if <laughs> I was to read news copy, like I'd be messing up all over the place. Yeah. It'd be and horrible. No, I know. They do too, though. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's, just, it's an industry of professionals, but, you know, you you're you're reading thousands and thousands of words a day and you you're bound to flub some of them so i'm just i'm glad our show's not scripted otherwise <laughs> it would, i'm a terrible reader i think i would have been, i would i would uh, mess up all the time and you're with that co-host so you have like basically a weird marriage with you know i mean that's really how it kind of works out so and and you you do you get stuck in this in this room in this conversation and that's about it sometimes so. i call him my other half and it's not really it is i mean <laughs> in a way i totally i totally understand that i mean i've been in this long-term relationship with you know the co-host of the show yeah. that i have to we have to get along like a and there are people in the industry that don't get along and that's pretty hard to run a show if, if that happens and there are people who can't stand each other and have been doing it for 20 years you know and i wouldn't be able to do that i, I actually genuinely argue with the guy i genuinely get along with him and we really are friends now no, we're gonna I, I do the have show. one last question yes. for you um, it better be with, a short with you one. being a comedian yourself. Well, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you know, I have that background. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. Why so, not? Um, <laughs> if somebody else call me a comedian. I'll do that. And we have been talking a little bit about um, death. So, <clears throat> what is your feelings about Robin Williams? Oh, uh, Robin Williams. Interestingly enough, uh, my favorite stuff he did were, were all dramatic roles. You know, I'm a Goodwill Hunting guy. And hey, guess what? Margaret Cho's little audio bit is going to be in one of our breaks this show. That is correct. We do have Margaret Cho that's going to be talking a little you bit know, about You know, the depression thing is obviously a big deal. Again, Utah has, a, has an issue. We have with, like the highest depression. rate, don't we? One of the, at least with the, uh, if, it's not, if it's not diagnosed, it's at least with the, uh, the consumption of uh, antidepressants. You know, we have, we have an issue with that. But it's also kind of, part of the issue is, is that we don't talk about it. I mean, that's, that's part of the problem. And... It might have been some of the problem with Robin Williams. I mean, the not talking about it part, you know, and the not bringing it up and not getting enough help, you know, and that might be, uh, that might have been part of the issue. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I it's it's obviously super tragic, and uh, you know, you find enough. The good thing is, is there's enough immortal, <laughs> you know, moments that 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 he has on on film that are that are the things that everybody's going to remember him for. Or priceless right and amazing. Yeah, like, yeah. I, he was he was an amazing guy, and you know, I I think that he's kind of this the whole situation. I feel kind of bad, but the whole situation's kind of opened my eyes because whenever I hear that somebody has committed suicide mm-hmm. or different things like that, I think that that person is the most selfish person ever, mm. and that 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 used to be kind of my, my mentality, I guess. And he got I, he got some of that this week. I mean, I, and I'm sure that he's that. gotten that too, but it's just. I love this guy. I loved him so much. You know, mm. out of all the celebrities, you know, I would have to say Robin Williams was my favorite celebrity. And it's not because, you know. This week. 
yeah, it wasn't this week. One of those things, you know, yeah. it's, he's one of my childhood actors and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it's a great loss and we'll go ahead and move on with the show. Hey, thank you, Mario, for helping us out with Robin Williams. Can we do the show now? Yes. Are you done? Yes. <laughs> He wanted to introduce. He wanted to kind of get an idea of who I was. I hadn't met Rue till today. We've we've chatted a ton, Tugs. There's not. Don't you can't have me all to yourself. You know what? We were bonding here. <laughs> I've never actually been able. Way to ruin it. I've never it. met this guy. We're bonding already. It's fine. We had a moment, all right? Uh, <laughs> anyway, got the candles lit and the ambiance going it's on. It's true. Yeah. Do you like that candle? That's a nice candle. It's, it's actually good. campfire marshmallow. No wonder I got the And munchies. the audience is like, what? What are you talking about? We have a candle in the studio. Tugs, can we get back to the topic now? <laughs> no. So, what are we going to, what we're going to be doing today for this show is we want you to basically ask us different questions about furries. Like, what do you know Kay. about them? Different things like that. These are kind of our panelists over here. Um, say hello. They can't see you <laughs> waving. We're waving. I'm not waving. <laughs> Being forced to wave. All right. forcing him. So, so they're basically going to answer your my questions. My questions. Yes, okay. your and, questions. And we you gave have. him the Wikipedia article to kind of start his juices turning because I know that this is all you think about all the time, um, especially during your sports show. No, look, I looked, I looked <laughs> up the podcast before, so I, I knew oh, what no. we were kind of getting into. Oh, no. I was not. Oh, a, my gosh. Well, no, I wasn't going to just come in here and go, now this is a Checkers uh, podcast, isn't it? No, yeah. I wanted to actually. What is a Checkers podcast? I'm just that. saying. I, there's some people who have a, oh. uh, <laughs> a lot of different topics out there. But okay, so I'm going to ask you guys the questions, and then you guys answer the We'll, we'll periodically interject as needed. Okay, yep. if, someone, if someone were to walk in uh, right now, like me, and they have questions about what the... <laughs> About about the fur about the furry fandom because uh, my question is, how big is it here in Salt Lake City? First off, I'd wonder why you were walking into the house. <laughs> Presuming I was invited. Okay, <laughs> there was free coke. There was free diet coke. Yeah. <laughs> um, locally, currently, our group is, I think the count is three hundred and sixty-two strong, and. Every time that we go out, we always we get at least three to ten people who are like, "Oh wow, this is so cool! We haven't heard about you." Or once we're like, "Hey, I've been a furry and I didn't know that there was a local group." And so, what do you mean go? What do you mean go out? So, are there actual like uh, kind of meetups and uh, and hangouts? I guess. Yeah, we have um, at least two meetings a month, sometimes more. Um, where we'll go out and various members will actually suit up more. They'll get into their furry or mascot costume and we'll wander around parks, around downtown, various businesses and m interact with the public. Of course we ask the businesses yeah. before we go there. We don't just randomly show up. And right. Surprise! <laughs> except, except, except the windows at KSL. Okay, yeah. <laughs> never, Those are fair game. I think I would have remembered if, if, the, if the group would have gone by the KSL windows. <laughs> but I want to know, what I want to know is... Is there, uh, are you in full character when you're out? Like people are asking questions and Rue was talking about how his character, or wh what do you say? Not character, what do you say? My, my character is, um, well, persona, character. Persona, okay. It, um, yeah, character works. But, um, but yeah, like I that's don't not talk. offensive. I know, that, is that offensive? No, no, it's not offensive. Okay. It's fine. So your, so your persona, if I were to see you, you don't talk? Um, I squeak, actually. So okay. I have like a, a squeaker on my mouth and I try to, 
talk with it, so it's like a really high pitch. But somebody can hear. But they could. You could still communicate. People. That's can correct. All right. Um, but a lot of um, we call them first suitors. Okay. A lot of first suitors they don't actually speak at all, so they're kind of they they mime things or you know whatever. Pantomime. So pantomime. They so they haven't taken on kind of the full human animal kind of uh, because I thought that that's what to me that's what that's what kind of furries were is kind of a, you're an animal but all with human traits of walking around talking that kind of the, thing. Yeah, that's basically correct. There is some of them that really go into it, and you know, um, there's some that are more feral and um, literally, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you get a pretty good blend. One thing I've also noticed is that uh, some of the uh, some of the suits don't have a moving jaw. Okay. The 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 face is non-mobile, and a lot of those suitors generally don't talk because the mouth wouldn't be moving. And so that doesn't go along and with it, the full. It breaks it. Okay, yeah. right, that's interesting. Whereas if they have a mobile mouth then they're more likely to be speakers. So like a real commitment to the character there, like because the actual suit doesn't, the mouth yeah. doesn't move. Okay. Uh, I, guess this, I guess the second, I guess the, the psychology part of me, there are a couple of things psychologically that I want to know. Why? Or why, why would it become an, in, why would this become something that you would want to pursue? Obviously it's different. I mean, People could go, why do you like playing golf? You know, that's my hobby. But do you consider this more than just a hobby or is it like a lifestyle? I, that's what I don't know. Like for me, I play golf and then I'm done with it. You know what I mean? And I kind of, you know. <laughs> but but is this a, is this, do you consider this more of a lifestyle than just a, than just like a hobby on the side? There are those out there who um, do do it as a lifestyle, quote unquote, um, at least <laughs> like real. <laughs> Um, at least for Jake and I, it's more of like a hobby. It's the, we <coughs> keep, we have our costume and totes that sit on the side of our living room and about once or twice a month, we'll break them out, get all furred up and wander around and then put them back. And it's the rest of the time we're normal people. What's who, wander around mean? Like you're around your neighborhood, you go out um, shopping. Yeah. Wander around, like if the, a convention pops up, we'll, um, get in yeah, costume and go sense. to the convention or, um, go to the park. Um, along with all the others, like for during our um, monthly meets, we'll join in with that, and then the rest of the time we're normal people. But then there are others who are like lifestyle first. Do you think that there's? I mean, because there's probably a stigma that goes. Not probably. I'm sure there's a stigma <laughs> that goes with uh, with kind of living this. You know, your persona and having this kind of as uh, as as a thing that you know, almost sort of defines you in a way, you know, at least a little bit. So where, why do you think someone might gravitate towards something like this? Is it a childhood thing? Was mom not around? I mean, that, that's what people, <laughs> I think that's what most people really want to know. I mean, like I said, psychologically you go, well, something was missing. If, it, if, it, if it's not a no, quote unquote normal behavior, someone would say, you know, is this, is this because maybe you don't, necessarily like who you are when you're out in public normally do you have a problem with relationships that kind of thing it's a way to realize the ideal in some ways you can create something you strive for but you've never necessarily become right but but you're doing it in such a way that you're not putting your personal self and your brand on the line you have this self-contained extra mm -hmm. thing out there that you can experiment with that doesn't necessarily reflect back on you let, in like a me, professional sense let me explain it like this you were an actor at some point yeah, in time. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So 
when you act, you become a particular character. Yeah. And you put yourself kind of away for a little bit, and you become something else. But once you're done with that play, once you're done with that show, you basically remove that character, and you go back to you know what's going on. Yeah, but performance-wise for me, like I, I can recognize too that uh, I had a need for entertaining other people. Mm-hmm. I had the desire to make other people laugh because sometimes I didn't necessarily like myself that much, you know? Mm-hmm. So is there some of that going on? I mean, there there obviously there would be that going that. on in the community, it's, right? It's a bit, there is a good deal of escapism in it. Sure. Where it's the, yeah, okay, work 40 hours a week, I have to do all this, whereas I can put on my suit and it's the, hey, cool, I'm the sleek, sexy cat that can wander around. I don't care. People can take pictures. Sure. I love being out there, whereas normally just normal me, it's the, yeah, I'm just going to hide over here in the corner. What are the big faux pas in the community? Like, what What are the big faux pas in the in the, in the furry fandom? Like, what are the things you go, I can't believe you said what? that. What? <laughs> don't say that. Ah. If someone says, oh, man, like, that dog, like, really made me angry. He's like, he is not a dog. He's a fox. I can't believe you would, like, <laughs> is there some of that? I, I don't know what, it. like, the, because I know, because there's already a vernacular that I've been picking up on. I mean, there's. Yes, there is a jargon that we have. So, but that's what I'm wondering is if somebody is in the group, what is, like, the thing you can do that's the most offensive thing, like, in the group you go, dude, that's not what furries are, man. Take somebody's head off. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, we, we have what's known as, uh, like, breaking the magic, where if you're in kind of like a public place where people are entertaining and you take off your fur head, oh, and yeah. it's the, oh, no, it's actually just a person underneath. I, actual, I mean, in the sports world, the mascots are exactly like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. cannot yeah. break character ever. I know who the jazz bear is. <gasps> nice. I know the guy. Oh. And this guy is the best character i mean he you would never know one and two i mean all he does is work and work out to be the best jazz bear that he can be you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and he's been doing it for 15 years so it's interesting i mean you can't and i've done shoots with him for tv and things like that and he's got a handler He's got a guy who's like yeah, his handler. Yeah. yeah, we we have handlers as well. When and we go you know out. they'll communicate. He'll communicate. They'll uh, he'll communicate for him stuff like that. But there are things that he won't do in public. I mean there there are things that I mean he doesn't. So I'll tell you a quick story. One time we, I was at the uh, by my office. There used to be a subway. It was a few years ago. And the guy who was the jazz bear came in. Now the thing was he rode his motorcycle over from energy solutions. He had been like going through like a, you know, like a, uh, a rehearsal for what they were going to do maybe like during a game or something. He comes over, not in his outfit, but on the jazz bear motorcycle, which if you, unless you really know what it looks like, you wouldn't know. And he comes in and this un- unassuming guy comes in and gets a sandwich and he sits down by himself and he's eating a sandwich and he sees me and we know who each other are. I don't say a word. Right. And these people come in, and this guy comes in, and he's super loud, and he says, that's the Jazz Bear's motorcycle outside. <laughs> you guys see the Jazz Bear around here? <laughs> oh, no. And dude's in the corner eating, corner eating a sandwich, just with jeans and a hat on and just eating a sandwich. I said, yeah, he parked, and then he walked down, and I guess he's probably doing something over at West High School. And he kind of freaked out. He's like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, I'll have the BMT, and uh, he orders the sandwich, moves on. And uh, I got awesome. I got a look from the guy like, thanks, man. And then that was it. He was out the door. 
That's kind of like knowing Clark Kent. But I mean, it was weird. <laughs> it was weird because it, when you mentioned that, that was exactly what I thought of. If somebody was, to, if he were to take his hat off, I mean, I've, I went to a thing one time where they had official Jazz Bear Day in Utah. It was like August of 2007 or something, right? Yep. And they were in, we're in Governor Huntsman's office doing this whole like honoring the Jazz Bear on his official day, Utah Jazz Bear Day in the state. And we're in this office that, if you can imagine, mahogany wood, books everywhere, uh, awards that he's been given, things that the Native American nation have uh, like presented to him, things like that. And Jazz Bear breaks in there and just starts spraying his silly string everywhere. <laughs> and I went, this guy is never out of character. Never. And his, neighbors, awesome. and his neighbors think that, he's, uh, that he works in, uh, it's like the mob. It's like garbage in the garbage industry. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They, that's what they think. Anyway, that was interesting to me that you, you said that, and I immediately thought of sports mascot. Mm-hmm. What about the um, what about the sexual side of things? <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay to talk about it if you guys are. I think you we should take a break first. You guys invited me into this because <laughs> there is there's like a there's a world, right? I mean, that's there a, is a world. So what we're is that one do of the faux pas? You don't talk about it. No, Fine. we no, will we talk will. about we it. Will. But we're going to go to break, and we'll be right back. Enjoy the news. Hey, Lean Frequencies, open. Smokescale Aquatus here with another round of news for you. And this time, we're actually back from break. Sorry about that. Bit of a crossed wire on my end last time. As of October 5th, 2014, here are your space headlines. NASA's Commercial Crew Program has handed down a decision on what vehicles they'll pursue use of. Two contracts were awarded, one to Boeing for its CST-100 and another to SpaceX for its Dragon 2. Everyone assumed that Sierra Nevada's Dream Chaser had it in the bag, but apparently they were left out in the cold. Because of the lack of financial support from NASA, Sierra Nevada has been exploring alternative options to fund the production of the miniature space plane. With interest from JAXA and ESA, as well as private commercial spaceflight, there's no shortage of demand for the reusable, crewable vehicle capable of entering orbit. Listeners might recall, I once said that NASA had commissioned a small fleet of Dream Chasers a good while back. Turns out my information was inaccurate, and driven perhaps a little by the hope of the idea. Sorry about that. Sierra Nevada has lodged a formal protest on the decision. The protest requires any work to be performed under the contracts to be halted. Fortunately, neither Boeing nor SpaceX have gotten to that point yet, and all work currently being done can still be completed. However, if there isn't an officially reviewed decision made soon, all work could screech to a halt. The Russian-made RD-180 engine, used to power the ULA's Atlas V core stage, may have a replacement coming soon. Because of the Crimea situation, America imposed sanctions against Russia, and in return, Russia decided to cripple the U.S. space program. After 2017, they will not fly Americans to the ISS aboard any Soyuz. We've got several vehicles in the works, so that's not too much of an issue. However, they've also said they're not going to sell us any more of their RD-180s, so long as they'll be used for launching military hardware. The Aerojet Rocketdyne AR-1 may fill that gap, further reducing our dependency on Russian hardware. Recently, a new country has been added to the very short list of agencies to have successfully put a probe into orbit around Mars. Which country is that? India! Near the end of September, the Mars Orbiter mission successfully put itself into parking orbit around the Red Planet, joining India with the United States, Russia, and the European Space Agency. 
Orion is almost ready for launch. The past week saw the Delta IV heavy rocket that would carry it aloft assembled at its horizontal integration facility, then stood vertically out at Kennedy Space Center. By now, it's sitting on the launch pad waiting for the Orion itself to be added on top of it. Orion has had its launch abort system integrated with the command capsule as well, the tower at the very top that can activate and drag the command capsule safely away from the rest of the vehicle during launch should there be a problem. At this point, it's just a matter of putting Orion on top of the core booster and running the final checks. Hopefully, we'll see it launch on schedule in early December. That's all we've got for you this time. For more news on space and space-related matters, check out NASA and other agencies on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying keep looking up, space fans. show you're listening to the monsters of talk i'm here with my co-host hi i'm jim short um we're this is not an actual episode we're doing a very special brief episode um obviously uh everybody knows what's been going on this week uh we're dealing with the very tragic um death and uh and the circumstances surrounding it is really it's, it's all very terrible but we wanted to just briefly talk about robin williams and what a great man he was in 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 the way that we knew him also not just i think i think well, the, the the problem with the world is is that they're they're really i think i don't know they, they're really reacting to this as like um a very 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 big group group kind of grief experience um i'm not sure what to compare it to i don't know exactly how uh to process it myself but um it's a terrible thing I think everybody's trying to figure out how to. Uh, that's why there's a lot of stuff about him out online. And, you know, obviously we're putting something else up there too. But um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I've never felt this way about a celebrity. You know, we, we know him too. So it's a very, um, it's a difficult thing. Yeah, it's, it's especially having a San Francisco connection, mm-hmm. which is really strong, a comedy connection. Mm-hmm. And I think both you and I are of that age too, where we grew up. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, he was on the um, on the Happy Days episode and then Mork and Mindy, 11. Right. It was such a big part of my, you know, sort of those years. Right. He was such a big star. But he was, uh, having known him just, a, I mean, I wasn't his friend, but you know, on the San Francisco scene, he would be around. And if somebody of that magnitude to take as much time and just talk to people mm-hmm. as he did was pretty unbelievable. And. You really, you really just got a sense that he was just a decent, a decent guy. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he was just a, he was just a, a, a figure that we would, we would encounter often. I, I first met him. He came into my father's bookstore all the time. Yeah, and so uh, th- there was um, the, this kind of excitement around him. I got my first autograph, my first celebrity autograph from him. Um, I have to find it. It's a, it's he copied an, uh, a, a book of. A, World according to Garp, but he's, he's right. on the cover. He just done the movie, and it, and so it's 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 from a really long time ago. And um, but he was always around, you know. When I I lived across the street from the Holy City Zoo, and that's where I got to know him better. And um, you know, he was like, it, it was he was also the last resort. He was a person that you could ask if you needed money, like the zoo was going to close, and and everybody's like, well, Robin will keep it open. Robin will take care of it, you know. And everybody would always still go, well, you could ask Robin. And so, you know, people would always be kind of going to him for money yeah. or like people were being taken care of. Like, you know, if you couldn't 
pay something, Robin would cover it and, and stuff like that. You would always hear about that kind of stuff. And that, that always was, to me, very much um, the way comedy was. Uh, at least that era of comedy is that, you know, we didn't have job security or you didn't know who was going to be successful. But, the, you know, there was this idea that somebody's going to take care of you. It was sort of like a clan um, mentality, yeah. which is really cool. I don't know if it's like that now, but it definitely was that then. In the well, late that, that 80s, was, that early was a, 90s. Especially the San Francisco scene was like that. It was mm-hmm. it, it was very family, maybe fragmented in some ways, but yeah. there was that family element. And he was he was definitely that, you know, that 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 patriarch of it all. I mean he yeah. really was it was he the one that made San Francisco comedy as visible? I mean, Probably. I know that scene was sort of going on. It but was re- it was a was real thing, but I think he was the, he was the one who sort of brought attention to it, and and then you know, um, he brought a lot, a lot of validity to it and legitimacy to it. But he loved comedy also, so it's like yeah. real, you know. And and you know, I would go to the zoo all the time. This is like my family, and they, you know, the people that are really grieving, I know, were very close to him. Um, Mm-hmm. And that's a really hard thing too, you know. The people that we know from San Francisco, they're they're just everybody's really broken up about it, and it's hard, you know. It's 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 a very it's a sad thing. Like it's a sad thing globally for everyone, but it's especially sad and shocking kind of for us. You know, that's it. It's that really not just him. like I mean, we've all been sad when a celebrity you liked died, mm-hmm. but it's somebody that we kind of knew, and even though we didn't know him as intimately as, as maybe some other people, or maybe you did. But it's it's so it's so hard mm-hmm. because I did talk to him so many times and yeah. it, you almost not took it for granted. But there was a certain period because he sort of went away and sort of came back to yeah. San Francisco. And when I moved there, within a year or two, Robin sort of showed up and he was on the scene hitting open mics. Yeah, he'd be at the tiniest open mic. Yeah, he'd he'd come into Cobb's on a Monday night and mm-hmm. at the, one of the comedy clubs there, and you know he'd he'd just sit in the back and wait to go on. At the end of the show, and I hosted a few of them, and there was nothing more amazing than than being at the end of the night and going, folks, that that's our show, unless you can handle one more. And they're going, here's Robin Williams, and people in disbelief, and yeah. he'd come up, and and you would see him go back after the show, and and you could just felt like, because so many people do stand up, get into movies, and never do stand up mm-hmm. again. And this guy loved it; almost validated stand up mm-hmm. that this guy still loved doing it, and that's what really, really. I think that gave him real joy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we now know, I mean, I, I don't know how much joy he had. Yeah. But that that connection and making people laugh. And there was nothing better than making him laugh. Mm-hmm. I read I read a few people, you know, because if you look on Facebook, especially being in San Francisco sort of circles, everyone's got a picture with him yeah. at Comedy Day or at Cobbs or yeah. somewhere. Oh, yeah. And a story about how nice, how he took the time yeah. to just chat with, with the so lowest nice. of open micers and just talk to them mm-hmm. and treat them like an equal. And you know what? If you made him laugh, uh-huh. he loved it. He didn't look at you like, oh, you're, you're trying to make me laugh. You know who I am? I'm yeah. the guy. Uh, he, he didn't. He really invited you to come and make him laugh. Yeah, which is great, you know. And, and, and he had a real dreamlike presence. I always felt that uh-huh. he was slightly embarrassed by his own fame and and he, the way that people would react to him, you know, and that um, he was always trying to normalize himself, like everything. that He was very friendly because he wanted to uh, ease that, that weird divide between like celebrities and people, you yeah. know, that, that, that weirdness that people have, but it was a delight to see people react to him. Cause they would just get like kind of overwhelmed by who he was. And he's from an era of fame that, that goes 
beyond like the internet. I mean, this is like be- yeah. way before all that stuff. So um, there's an, a, a real visceral connection that he has with people. It's it's really a trip. Hello, this is Koakai, and when I'm not wandering the halls of rainforest looking for a wild puppy bear, I listen to For What It's Worth. And now, so are you. Here, Tugsy, 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 Tugsy. Come out, come out, wherever you are. I have cookies. Back to topic. We're just so, gonna go right back into we it. We are going to talk about. Well, let's go ahead. Go ahead and recap. Recap. And together. Well, I guess uh, my presence is. Uh, <laughs> I guess slide. I know how you guys really feel about how. <laughs> All right. All right. You want me to uh, recap? The, recap the question. <laughs> I got it. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so I was just asking about the... Uh, obviously, there's probably just as much uh, diversity in terms of the, of, the, of the sexual nature inside the furry fandom, right? But there's always a... It seems like that that is the thing that's brought up with furries the most for people who don't know the community, Right. Yes. At least for me, like the, the first thing that popped into my head was usually there's like a sexual procl- proclivity of some sort that's like a, that's tied to it. So, like you guys are a couple. Does it play a role with you guys? Nope, not in the slightest. But is really? It okay. Yeah. Oh. We both we both made our suits and spent probably about four hundred a piece on it. I'm not gonna mess that fur up. And plus, he's fuzzy enough without it. Okay. <laughs> but there are a lot of folks I mean, that that might be is that more of an exception to the rule then? Well, actually the majority of people are like that. Like most of the suitors that I know, I mean they spend $3,000. Why would you want to get into a a suit and do some sort of sexual act in something well, that Well, I wouldn't think of it being necessarily in the suit, but I was also but I was thinking about uh, about it being just like part of like the role playing thing, you know, that kind of deal. In role play? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it is there. Um and I do want to not necessarily paint a completely innocent because there are people, a, a niche of people that do sexual acts in some of these suits. They're called suits. That's what they're called. And um, it's Mer not... being a sound you're supposed to make when you like something. Yeah. So <laughs> there is some people that are into that. It is a... Just like everything else, there's a niche for everything. And it, it is there. If you want to find it, it's there. But it's kind of like... You sound like it's, you sound like you're kind of like not you don't like that the, you don't like that part of the sometimes that's not even true he does it's I think it's more of one of those that the media likes to kind of focus on that and it's kind of one of those you need ten good things to kind of outweigh the bad of one thing yeah um, so it's like yeah there was like the CSI episode which mostly focused on the fetish of um, yep. fursuits but then you look at like Anthrocon where they bring in about what three million dollars with their con alone to the Pittsburgh city it's way more than three but yeah yeah and it's like, huge and they've they saved a local business they raised how much for charity and like all for like all the cons that we do for them 
it's the, yeah, we do all this good, but all you hear is, the, oh, no, some pervert is over there helping in a fursuit. Like, right. for instance, the other day on Facebook, I saw something like, oh, beware of the furries. Oh, they're going to take your children away. They're pedophiles and stuff like that. Like, they, there was something on the internet that, you know, people were warning or whatever against furries and wanted people to sign a petition for it to go to Senate or you know, so that we could be banned, basically. I, th I think the big secret is, is all the other sci-fi-based fandoms have a, a sexual component. The difference is that we own our creations, whereas I think I can't think of any other one that is not self-created. They're corporate-based. There's it's mm -hmm. someone's IP, and so there's lawyers involved to kind of keep it the way that they want it. And we don't have that kind of suppression, so it's just embraced as a as a natural part of it. Okay. All right. I'm satisfied with that. That's fine. <laughs> no, I just, uh, you know, that's the thing. I think that there have been, I mean, that's the portrayal, I think, is that there that it's it's uh, strange enough that then people go, okay, there's probably some sort of a, of a, um, of a fetish thing, you know, that, you know, and then, and then the word even fetish obviously has its own uh, divisive kind of use to, but uh, is it, I want to go back to the psychological thing. Do you feel like that there was something that wasn't being addressed in your life, like for you, Rue? Like when did you get in? When did you get into this? Uh, probably about five years ago or so. Um, you know, it's for me. I guess, I guess it's a form of escapism, but I, I don't really like to see it like that. I, I guess for me, it's just an opportunity. Everybody takes things so seriously in life. And I guess for me, it's an opportunity for me to give back to the world and to bring a little bit of sunshine, to bring a little bit of happiness to other people. But they're dark characters so too, right? I mean, there are people who play. Me. There are people who play just totally dark characters, yes. right? Yes, there is. Mm. But for me and my my persona, I like to you know you know make people smile and you know laugh or whatever. If I could jump in here, I, yeah, for the psychological compound for you know for me. Uh, was actually growing up in a very uh, strict, um, you know, very controlled household. Um, basically, um, uh, my dad basically saying, okay, you have to wear this and you have to be this kind of person. You have to worry about your self-image. You can't look weak or stupid in front of everybody. And that's how it was. And when I discover the fandom now going literally on 10 years, uh, pretty soon here, um, I could put on a mask, I could put on a costume, and I don't have to worry about people seeing who I really am. Mm -hmm. I can be a jackass and I can do things and, you know, dance because I don't know how to dance and I don't feel like I, I will look stupid because you really can't see who I really am. I will say this because I feel like that you'll understand this. I believe that within this, um, within the culture here in Utah, there's a lot of judgment that goes on. And for, for me... It's an opportunity because, you know, I was raised Mormon, and it gave... You sound, you sound disappointed, like, when you said, like, I was raised Mormon, I guess. <laughs> well, no, not everybody knows. Um, not ev it's not common knowledge um, on this podcast show. But, yes. So did you... So, but, but so you, so you, left the, you left the LDS church. I know. I didn't leave the LDS church. No? Okay. That's, so, what, I was, that's what I was wondering. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still there, but... Um, technically speaking or actively speaking? Just, just Technically okay. speaking. So um, it gave me an opportunity to kind of um, step out of this 
culture where everything is judged. You know, you go out and you grab grab something. I don't know. It could be. It could be. I'm having a hard time saying what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. But um, you know, well, you like for instance, me... okay, you're hanging out with some friends that um, uh-huh. smoke or whatever. Kay. They automatically think that you're a hooligan or something like that. That you're also kind of kind of with them. Oh, there's a kind of a you know guilt by association. Exactly, thing, right? exactly. And um, so it's kind of it's it was kind of my way of breaking out of society and being like. This is who I want to portray myself as. And so, yes, I guess it is a form of escapism Mm -hmm. to basically be, you know, I'm feeling all these pressures of what I'm supposed to be, what I need to be, um, what is expected of me. And then when I'm I'm Rue, I don't have to, you know. Yeah, and I guess my thought is, it's like, well, I guess if you have this, maybe it's because you don't necessarily like yourself that much. Like, I, I've dealt with that a lot. I mean, and it's not just the escapism thing, but maybe it's the avoiding uh, a bigger issue that might be depression, that might be, you know, big self-esteem issues that I've dealt with, you know, in my life. Yep. But uh, I've dealt with them in ways but like I've had to go and like, I've had to seek out therapy, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, this, somebody could say, well, this is therapeutic, but at the same time, it might not necessarily actually be addressing anything. Do you feel, I mean, that's, I guess the psychological, I, I'm interested in that, in that side, like why somebody would, and I'm, I, I'm not trying to say it like defend yourself, but I'm more just saying like, uh, it seems like that's the, that's the thing is that it's not just the escapism thing. It's also, um, just not wanting to address maybe a deeper issue. Right, and uh, you know, to kind of touch on my point earlier, um, it it the being with the fandom allowed me to be more comfortable with who I am because you know I could be a, a jackass, I could play around completely in costume, but when I take that off, you know, I'm still you know with the people who I was acting like a fool with. Right, and you know, come to learn that they're still treating me exactly the same. And so that really helped me You find a group that accepts you, that kind of thing. It was was a vehicle for experimentation. Exactly. Without, yeah. Like I was, I was going to say, at least for me, it's um, also part of kind of like a self-exploration. Like I'm, I kind of have a fear of people, at least of strangers. I don't like approaching strangers. I worked retail for long enough, so I have kind of a loathing for public. (laughs) But you, but you also (laughs) probably have like a little bit of a talent too, of like approaching people because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's the like... My character's kind of an opposite of me, where she'll go out, she's sleek, she's sexy, she'll interact with kids. I hate kids, yeah. but in that <laughs> suit, <laughs> but in that suit, I'll totally, you know, high five kids, give hugs, and all that. And it's one of those. Later, when I take off the suit, it's the realizing, okay, yeah, underneath all of it, this is me, and it's a part of me, and I do have the capability to go out and it's well. The, and that's interesting too. You think, do you really hate kids then? Because maybe the because that persona is isn't you know you like high-fiving the kids you like even maybe a a mild form of affection thing like almost like a motherly thing is coming out like (laughs) no really right yeah my inner shiva once they lay the child upon the battlefield i'll be like oh i have to take care of you but yeah there's there's a mom there's a mom inside you somewhere even if it's your your persona (laughs) right yeah yeah it's and also because they're not screaming and snotting on everything so See, and for me, it's a, it's a very similar situation. I have social anxiety disorder, um, and I don't deal well with crowds at all. 
I I start freaking out the moment that I, if this room was a little bit smaller, I wouldn't be in here. Right. It's it's way too close for me. Um, and the moment you get me into a large crowd like a convention or something like that, I'm the first one out the door. You know, I've got a cigarette and I'm halfway across the parking lot. Sure. Just to stay away from people. Um, I put on the suit. And although Willie's is a very, very skittish character because he's a rat, at the same time, I have no problem with ducking behind a stranger in the middle of a crowd while, you know, somebody's following me or something like that. I'll, I'll interact with people because Willie's, the character, isn't scared of people. Huh. And so it's, it's a shield against something I've got buried in me that allows me to kind of work past that a little bit. And then I take off the, the mask. It was actually a debate as to whether or not it would happen in the first place. Uh, I, I, I take it off. I get out of the outfit. And suddenly I'm, I'm sitting here going, I can't believe I did any of that. But now I know that I can if I can just capture a little bit of that part of my mindset. Mm. Yeah. Well, we're into final question mode. So what is your we final, still have to torture you. final question for well, us? No, I don't know. I guess uh, that might have been it. I got enough of it. Well, um, I think I have one for you. <laughs> I've got, oh. I, I do have one very quickly, though, very quickly. <laughs> when you're 65, hoping you get there, right? In terms of just like, you know, let's hope we all get to maybe 70, right? I think about almost like, uh, I think about that that when people get like pretty elaborate tattoos that are fully colored and you're like, that's going to look weird, man, when you're 80. Uh, But let's, let's, (laughs) he's looking at my leg. No, no, I didn't see it. Let me see. All right. That's, uh, don't tell me the, uh, not Flash. What's the name of that? Bolt. Bolt. Some sort of, John Travolta, right? Uh, So my question is, when when is it getting hung up? I mean, a couple of you guys have have mentioned. I don't do it as often. I don't. Uh, I don't do it as often. And maybe that's like maybe early retirement or something. But in, at the same time, um, like when do you think? Well, I'm probably done with this. Like when do you think that this will be? Is this something you're going to do the rest of your life? Do you think? At least for me, I think it's the creativity and the inspiration that I can get from this fandom and what is being furry. I think that can fuel me for quite a while, and it's something where even when I get up there in years and arthritis takes over and whatnot, I I don't necessarily have to throw on the suit anymore. I can still be content putting on a pair of ears and a tail and like selling art at a convention or going in and appreciating it for what it is. I didn't want that to come across as like, when are you going to grow up? Or <laughs> no, no. Never. No, it, well, it's a fair question. It's uh, like, I have a five-year rule on tattoos, right? Like, I don't want it to be a fad, but if I still want it after five years, it's probably something I'm going to be into or at least right. appreciate the rest yeah, of my yeah. life. I have the same rule. Yeah, and so, yeah, I waited five years for that one. Um, at the same time, I've grown up a lot. Like, I, I, I went from adolescence into adulthood making friends that way. And so the path for me has been, I'm not, I'm probably never going to really leave it. Like a Star Wars fan is always going to kind of like Star Wars, right? But for me, it's, I'm not going to go to the convention so much. I'm going to take the friends I've made over the years and go put to places like Disney World, which I've done. Or, you know, go places together now that I've made those friendships. And so it just, it evolves into a more mellowed out version of anything. Yeah. For me. Okay. We actually have, 60 and 70 year olds. No, I, I would assume that, that there would be. Up, you know. I bet there'd be older people that are doing it. I just wondered if it would be something where you go, you know what? If you could imagine yourself in 30 years still doing it, I guess. Well, and suiting is actually fairly physically taxing. So a, a lot of the time, as you get older, you hit the point where 
you just don't have the stamina to be able to do it oh, as much I guarantee, or as often. You guys have probably all seen somebody faint at any of these fill-in-the-blank yeah. activities, been out on a, on a parade or something. I'm sure. I mean, putting one of those masks on would just be – one of the heads on would be – I can't even imagine that. I sweat just sitting here. I mean, yeah. so – Imagine shoving your head into a couch for a few hours. It's That's like what I'm that. saying. I'm not. I, <laughs> that doesn't sound as, as fun to me, but I totally get the performance part of it. I totally get that because that's something that I do even on a on a nightly basis in a, in a way on our show. I hide behind that microphone inside of a studio. You know, I mean, no one sees my face. Yep. And there's there's a little bit of that element. And you know, people can go and they can they can meet us in certain places and things like that, but. Uh, but I also, you know, in a way too, I like kind of being myself on the radio as much as I am in person, if that makes sense too. But anyway, what what were you going to ask me? I was going to say if you uh, <clears throat> if you could personify an animal, mm. if you were to take on an, a furry aspect, what do you think you would be? Mm, I don't know. You want to think about it while we play the game? Sure. All right. Yeah, yeah. Play the game. It's and time uh, for the game. All right. The game. All right. All so right. you're all playing as a team, so you'll need to coordinate. Okay. Um, this, I just called the premiere of the game because it's the premiere episode and because I'm really original. The instructions go like this. When our guest and panelist powers combine, we get Captain Utah because there's not enough of you. Um, put your heads together and see if you can best our questions. Each correct answer is worth one point, and a wrong answer earns you nothing. The winner gets a brand new nothing. Points for meaningless. I already got the Diet Coke, so I'm good. <laughs> and oh, we Drew. got nothing. <laughs> if you'd like to lead off, sir. <laughs> you think I have the, the, the game. All right, I'll ask the first question. So these questions you'll, quite fig- you'll figure out have a theme. What year was the University of Utah founded in? Uh, I want to say, I know. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 1854. You're all in agreement. Yes. Sure. Oh. 1850. Oh. Do you have the game? Now? No. Go okay. Continue. Question two. How many acres does the university campus occupy? The U of U. Oh boy. What does that count? What does that encompass? I mean, what does it count? The main campus. Okay. The main downtown. Let me see. Is it allowed to be the guests, the panelists, and Google? Nope. Mm. No Google. No Google. <laughs> Your Google food fails. Only the Canadians can use Google when we have them on. Now the stadium, <laughs> the university hospital. Is the VA part of that? Yes, I believe so. No. No? no? That's, yeah, I don't think that's part of it. No. Uh, was it Fifth South? But Research Park is. I mean, Research Park Does is Redwood all that. count? Or it's Red Butte? No, no, nope. Yo, no, 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 no. Because no. Red Butte is their botanical. Uh, but all that, but all that, uh, but all that Research Park. Okay, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with 214 acres. 214 acres. Do you both agree? I think it's bigger than that. You think so? Yeah, I, I want to no say idea. it's more like 500. <laughs> okay, so five. Okay, final answer. Sure the average between you guys. Time. Okay. <laughs> 450. 450. 1,534. Wow. Way under. I just, I just didn't even know there was. <laughs> Oh, really? That much space up there. I don't have it. Where is it? All right. How many colleges are in the U? Oh, in the U? Yeah. So actual schools within the university. Yep. Oh, boy. You Let's see. They've go got through. medicine. Oh, it's going to be it's gonna be so long of a <laughs> list besides like... Uh, it actually wasn't as long as I thought. I'm going to say 22. Yeah, that sounds about right. You were close. Uh, 
20. Mm, oh, we're, we're failing by like a hair. Mm -hmm. I know. That's. Th I love this part of the show. This is my favorite part. Yeah, this is the best part. You're so mean. <laughs> All right, question five? Four. Might as Four. Well, you might as well be guessing how many like gumballs are in the machine. You know? <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> how many undergraduate majors are currently offered at the U? Oh, now that's going to be an even longer list. Than the so 20 schools or 20 colleges within there. Then let's... Uh, assign each one kind of an average of how many degrees within each one of those. I'd say probably about three to five degrees each. Okay. I'd, be, I'd even bump it up more when you consider... Oh, undergraduate? Is that what you said? Undergrad. undergrad. Yeah, specifically undergraduate. Yeah. Maybe around, maybe around 120 or something. Yeah. We'll right. say 123. Mm. 72. Wow. We overdid yeah. it. I think it's 120 something if you count the gra the postgraduate stuff. Probably. Yeah. All right, now here are the ones that I hope expect great things from you. I could okay. do better at this if it was Westminster. <laughs> what year did the U join the Pac-12? Oh boy. It's all on you. Yeah, this is their third year now. I want to say. So is this we'll is this uh, 2000 2010? I want to say. Wait, wait. What year is this now? No, 2011. 2011. Final answer. I guess. That is correct. Yeah. 2011. Nice. What year was <laughs> Swoop introduced oh. to the public? Swoop the mascot. I Boy. was never going to ask you questions about BYU, by the way. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> no, Swoop is a uh, Swoop is a relatively new kind of deal. I'm going to say 2003. No, I want to say it's been around since at least the 90s. Really? Yeah, because I remember I seeing him in. I've Back only lived here. I, I I've only lived in Utah since 2002. So. I think it's been around since late about 90s? late 90s, 97, 98. 98, we'll go with. Ooh. Very close. 1996. Oh, uh. well done. All right. What? You, what uh, there's 10 questions here on seven. What was Urban Meyer's record when he left coaching at the U? Was he only here one year? I wonder it? where you guys get these facts, by the way. You know how like you listen to color commentary on sports? Uh, and they're like, it's so easy to find. Oh, yeah. this is. A, I know, but they're in a booth, and they're yeah, watching they a game. Most of the time, they don't know, but all that stuff's put... I mean, you imagine how many producers they have on like a television Someone's in their thing. ear. Oh, for yeah, sure. Okay. And they got a graphic up before you even see it. I mean, it's all in queue, maybe next to them on a monitor. Let me see. Uh, so I don't even know how many years he was at school. But he won. He, he was two years. Two years. So he went undefeated that second year. Um, and he won. I want to say he won thirteen games that year, and probably uh, nine years. I'm gonna say twenty-four and four. Final answer. Sure. Uh, Very close again. Twenty-two and two. Mm. Gave him way too many losses. Yeah, he, went, he, lost, he only lost two that one year. What was the U basketball? Basketball. I'm sorry, U football oh. record at the end of 2008. Oh, 08 was a magical season for them. I'm gonna say 13 and 0. Final. Sure. There you go. That's correct. Woohoo! That's two. Ended up number two. I think in the uh, AP final poll there. After when the Sugar Bowl. No wait, was that 08? Yeah, sure. You want the next one? Sure. Number nine. How long has Utah's winning streak against BYU mm, been going? Four years. Uh, the whole oh, no, war. Uh, or you can also give us the, the year the streak started. Uh, I'm trying to think the last time BYU actually won was probably in 09, so 10, 11, 12, 13. They won, they won the last four in a row. 
That's actually right. There you go. Ding. Because there was no game this year. Oh yeah, that's what I was gonna say. They, I can't math. I put five. Yeah, and I'm like, wait, they took a year off. I'm like, what? No, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. They're not playing. Uh, they're not playing this year. So. Which makes me sad because that's the only football game I ever watch. Yeah. All right, Tugs, give us our last question. What's the score, first of all? Three points. Three mm. points. Woo! You guys are doing great. Yeah. Highest score of the season. Mm. All right, what is the nickname <laughs> of the senior citizen known for their performance routine at Utah games? Senior citizen? The nickname of the senior citizen known for their performance routine at U games. I don't know this. I don't know this. I know there's a guy who gets up and does like a drum or something. He retired. He retired? <laughs> yeah, that's it, it, the torch was passed. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Do you guys, I'll have to defer to you guys on this one. Old man you. Old man you. <laughs> <laughs> you were close, though. The crazy lady. Uh, oh, yeah. She does her little dance thing. I've only seen her do it once. It was raining and I was miserable, but I remember. I was too busy tailgating in the parking lot. All right, final score, sir. But just real quick, he said old man U. For some reason, I think of Manchester University. Man U. <laughs> old Manchester University does a dance. Right. <laughs> final score oh, is three. Oh, there you go. All right. Yay. I feel good about that. That is good. Should we save? We have one piece of mail for the mailbag. Do we want to push it to next episode? Yes. Um, yes? Yes. 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 Okay. Cool. All right. So it's just time for housekeeping before we go. So housekeeping goes like this. I'm staring at you because you know. Uh, Anthrocon. No. Register today. <laughs> Comment on the show notes page because it makes people look like they go to the website and, uh, we and like that. And tweet to us. And all that stuff. And send us cookies in the mail. Do you ever get oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah. We get food sent to us. Yeah. We've had we do food various reviews. cookies. We've, we've had mail from Australia we've and Japan. Had, we've had... Wow. So Days many, that we've been poisoned once So many Tim Tams. <laughs> so many Tim Tams. They're so good, though. Please keep sending us Tim Tams. <laughs> Tim Tams are amazing. Shameless plug. <laughs> we do have one last thing. I believe there was a question that went unanswered before the game. Oh, oh right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yes. No, I think that, uh, you know, my very first uh, college, I'm a, do- I'm a dog guy. I like dogs a lot. And we grew up with dogs growing up, and they were all dachshunds, pretty much. I don't know if I'd be, I don't know, but I, but I think I'd probably, I, I wouldn't be the wiener dog. I You'd think be a Goldie. <laughs> you think I'd be a Goldie? A Goldie. No, I think, uh, I think a, uh, but my first year of college, I was, uh, I went to the University of Washington. I was a Husky. Yeah. Uh, another one. That's throw like them on the, the trendy Throw them on the right pile. <laughs> throw me on the pile. All right, audience, we need art. Another one of those huskies. Send your art now. Cast I, it for what it's worth. Dot com. I kind of want to see him like Spike's old Budweiser dog. Mm. Oh yeah, that was a uh, what kind of dog was? I uh, think it was like a Roman bulldog or something. No, it like wasn't. That. And his name was, was it Spike? No, it wasn't Spike. It Spud? was uh, Spud McKenzie. Spud McKenzie. Spud McKenzie. So you're asking for somebody to draw his persona for him. What's yeah, your favorite color? Oh well, if you're gonna go straight up husky too, they were they're gold and purple. The the University of Washington. There okay, you go. so gold and purple. All right, and then if we get multiple submissions, we'll have a contest or something. There you go, and okay. you can choose. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you for coming on, everyone. It was yes, very nice of you. Thank to you. Share Thanks for having us. Amazing episode. Um, this has been Rue. This is Tugs and Kuru and Plain Jane. Willies and I'm Alex. And this has been For For What What It's It's Worth. worth. And this is my favorite part because you still have to say it. (laughs) For What It's It's Worth. worth. Yay! (laughs) Yes!
good start. I thought we were all trying to just say it at the same time again. I thought you were going to say it again. I was going to be like, all right. No, it's, 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 it's the sick thing I love to do.